I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Whether it's the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, or Aggies. These guys have got you covered. I need fellas. You're locked on to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. One, two, three, four, three. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. It is for sure the simple pleasures. Yeah. Oh, man. For As sure. you get older, the simpler, the better. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, oh, Ben I Anderson. Up. I'm going to dunk on this person. Okay. <laughs> so just uh, just let me let me set this up, and then and then you run with it there, Ben. So what we, this had been like three weeks ago. We were talking about the college football they were uh, set. playoff games. They were set. And Ben had a hot take. Uh, about how Alabama was going to win by what'd you say thirty? I said I started and then out at slowly 30, back down, and I worked my way down, and uh, we settled at the number I think seventeen for our for show purposes. Ben did an incriminating audio bet that uh, Alabama had to win by seventeen, which of course uh, they did, and that that game was exactly why college football is a simple game. Alabama was like, yeah, we don't have to throw the ball over the field. We're just going to run us, uh, run the ball, and there's absolutely zero that you can do about it. So have a nice day, Cincinnati. We're bigger, and uh, we're going to push you around. And Scotty Munch! That's what they did. But you got a response on Twitter, yes. Scotty Munch on Twitter. He said, Ben, Cincinnati is better than you think. Do you even watch the games? I've watched six Cincinnati games, and I don't know what this is. This is like young person lingo. He has a police car emoji, and police car Alabama games. I don't know if that means everything or what. He says, all the way, including commercials, Cincinnati will win this game. Equal talent, similar size, more discipline. What do the commercials have anything to do with it? Did you waste your whole life watching a bunch of Cincinnati games because you thought it would make you smarter than Nick Saban? Because you thought it would make you smarter than Nick Saban. Nick Saban, a psychopath of a human being, an absolute sociopath of a human being who does nothing but eat, drink, and sleep football, and apparently you do too, Scotty Munch, but believe it or not, watching the commercials is not going to make you smarter than Nick Saban. Did I make a good prediction? No. What did I do? I followed a pattern. What's the pattern? Nick Saban beats everybody every single time, and he beats them badly, especially if he has a lot of time to prepare for them. When was the last time Alabama lost a season opener, Jake? When was the last time they got shellacked? When was the last time they lost to a team like Cincinnati? You know what? They lost to the Utes 13 years ago, and they haven't had an embarrassing loss like that since. 
13 years ago. And that was at the point when even then, Alabama was not what this Alabama is. They have the best players on the world in the world. They have the best coach in the world. They're in the best conference in the world. And then you gave them a month to prepare for Cincinnati. And because you watched Cincinnati beat Temple midway through the season, because they beat up on a bad Notre Dame team that is always bad, looks good. Has a great shine when you look at him from far away, but the closer you get, you realize they have warts. Am I surprised that Nick Saban, I'm sorry, I'm spitting on you. Am I surprised that Alabama beat Cincinnati by 20 points? Scotty Munch was, apparently. Scotty Munch was, apparently. He said if I did this, I had to call him by his name. He said if they won, I had to call him out and I had to read it like this. He watched all the Cincinnati games. He watched them all. Believe it or not, Jake, they scored six points. (laughs) (laughs) They scored six points. They lost 27 to six. They had three weeks to prepare and they scored six points. Two field goals. What a performance. Not even a touchdown. Oh, what an outing. Incredible. Well, I'm stunned. I'm absolutely stunned that Nick Saban made it easy for me to say they were going to win by three scores and they won by 21 points. Exactly three touchdowns. No, it has nothing to do with my ability to predict college football. If I did, if I knew how to win every bet, I would have taken the over on Alabama because the line was 13 and a half. I don't know better than Vegas. I don't pretend to. I do know that Nick Saban is the scariest human being in the world of sports right now, and you don't bet about uh, against that guy. You really don't bet against Mike Tyson when he's in his prime. And yes, he got a little bit older, he got a little more careless, and he ended up losing a fight. And that will happen to Alabama at some point. That is not who Alabama is right now. I'm not. You don't bet against Michael Jordan in his prime. You don't bet against Nick Saban, and that's what we saw with Alabama. I didn't do anything right. I just know who Nick Saban is, and anyone with half a brain does too. So I'm sorry, Scotty Munch. I'm dunking on you like I said I would, but you've deserved it. So you're not picking the Bulldogs, then, huh? <laughs> you know what? I don't think Georgia <laughs> has much of a chance against this uh, this Nick Saban coach team either. Even though they played what three weeks ago. A month ago now in the SEC championship game. And what happened there? Alabama rolled them because that's what Alabama does. And they're going to win the championship again. I know that's not that exciting to say. It's going to be a big victory. I'm not going to say three scores like I did last time. But it's not hard to predict Alabama going up against Cincinnati and Alabama getting a big win. So I'm not patting myself on the back, but I am going to laugh at Scotty Munch for thinking that Cincinnati was as talented as Alabama. In no world has Cincinnati ever been as talented as Alabama, nor will they ever be. Not while Nick Saban's alive and coaching at Alabama. And, you know, he's the third or fourth coach to have a run. Maybe the other coaches, maybe not quite as good as Nick Saban, but, you know, Gene Stallings and Bear Bryant were... Fairly good coaches there at Alabama, too. So there, yeah. m- there must be something. Uh, something's working for the Crimson Tide. And, yeah, Cincinnati did not stand a chance. I agree with you. I don't think they really should have been in the playoff to begin with. The only reason they were was because of circumstance. Correct. And, look, it's their circumstance that put them there. They won every game. They had one really good non-con yeah. or, uh, you know, one really good game on their schedule, Notre Dame, who ended up with a high ranking, ended up losing to Oklahoma State in the bowl game. But, yes, you had a very good season if you're Cincinnati. No disrespect to Cincinnati at all. But it's Alabama. Nothing Cincinnati could have done in one season could prepare them. Do you you know how hard it is to win at this level, Jake? Do you know how hard it is? This is one of my complaints that I have right now. I'm going to bring this locally to BYU and Utah fans right now. Why did you need to take off your headphones? Because I need to just be able to express this freely. Is Megan bugging you or something? Everyone's bugging me right now apparently because Scotty Munch has got me wound up. Getting in the 
Pac-12. And this is something BYU is going to learn the hard way about being in the Big 12. It doesn't get easier to win. It gets harder to win. Look at Arizona State. Look at Arizona. Look at Colorado. One of the nice things about being independent is when you're bad, there nobody leaps above you and just continues to push you down further. You're not getting recruited against because you're the worst independent school. They weren't the worst independent school. But there's no one you can compare yourself with. So your ability to redefine yourself is actually relatively easy. If you sink to the bottom of the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the ACC or the SEC, it happened in the WAC. It happened in the Mountain West Conference. It happens. You fall to the bottom of those conferences, it's far harder to climb up because you have to actually jump teams to get there. BYU hasn't had to jump any teams in independence to get back to being great. Now, that doesn't mean Kalani Sataki hasn't done a hell of a job coaching this team up to being a 10-win team. But they're, they haven't had to jump over who they are going to have to jump over in the Big 12 to reign supreme in the Big 12. So what Utah has done in the Pac-12 is absurdly impressive. To go from a 5-7 and seven team in back-to-back years where they were close to pulling the trigger on firing Kyle Whittingham to being the supreme team in the Pac-12 South is extremely difficult to do. If BYU falls early in the Big 12 and ends up behind some of these other schools, you're going to see how difficult it is to jump them. Being in a power conference and winning consistently is really difficult to do. But once you have that momentum, just like losing, it starts to feed into itself. So Alabama has this baked into who they are. It is so ingrained in who they are. It's hard to lose. Clemson had a terrible season this year, right, Jake? Terrible. They won 10 games. That's a terrible season for Cincinnati. We have to recognize how hard it is to win at that level. And when you do it, it builds momentum. And when you lose, it builds momentum. Cincinnati was great. They've had two good seasons in a row. I recognize it. That's really fun. You're playing against a dominant powerhouse that's the best team in the best conference, that has the best players and the best coaches, and they're still so much better than those teams. It's so hard to catch Notre, or, or I should say Alabama at this point, that it was foolish to think that Cincinnati could do it. Rant over. All right. Yeah, I don't think that guy knows what he's talking about either, Ben. <laughs> Watch yeah, a lot I of Cincinnati did, I football. I disagree with Scotty. Not Scott Gerard, Scotty Munch, who's lot tweeting of, at me. A lot of, you know, he invested a lot of time in the Bearcats this year, Ben. It's a lot of time. We watched every commercials game. Commercials and all. Commercials. Why? I still don't understand why the commercial thing was relevant. What point because that's dedication. That's dedication. That he, that he didn't flip over to a Seinfeld rerun or something? <laughs> like, that's not dedication. 27 to 6. They scored six points. And how about this little tip for our guy Scotty? Just start the game a half an hour later. Correct. Or DVR it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah just, yeah. just, just watch it the next day. Enough. Watch it on Sunday. Right. You don't, I, I don't know what win Scotty looked at that he thought this was the, the best team. Yeah, they, they crushed Temple 52 to 3. They beat Navy 27 to 20. It was a close one. It was a nail biter. Beat Tulsa by a score. You know? Yeah, they, they had some wins this year. I'm not sure which was a good win. Notre Dame was the best win by far, 24-13. At Notre Dame, that's fine. Was it Miami, Ohio yeah. that gave you credit that they were going to beat Alabama? It's really hard to beat great teams. It's hard to beat good teams. It's almost impossible to beat great teams and great programs, and Alabama is both. You know, Ben, I had this, uh, the, your, your same opinion here I, I had on these airwaves going back to 2000 and. Five two thousand and six. You know when it was really unpopular to have that particular opinion <laughs> on the airwaves here in Utah in two thousand and five yeah. and two thousand and six. Oh, for sure. The O four Utes played no one. Right. 
Nobody. No one. Nobody. They played no one. And yes. now, unlike Cincinnati, the 04 Utes also smashed everyone. Correct. I think their closest game was Air Force that year. And it was close for about place. Yeah, it was close for about ten minutes, and yes. then they sma- ended up yes. smashing. Yeah, like, but it was true back then, and it's still true today. the The P five leagues are more difficult. There, there's more depth. It's a different type of athlete. College football uh, is not fair. I mean, no league, no sports league is completely it's not equal. fair. It's it's impossible. It's fair. But it the NBA, equal. you know, with the NBA, NFL, with salary caps and things like that, they they do a lot to make sure that the competitive that is fair. That the you know that sort of thing. It's impossible to do that in college football. Right. The NCAA has tried, and everybody belly aches about about how they've tried, and now there there are no rules, so it's even more unfair. But it's just college sports is just not fair. Not even close. No. And, and part of the reason Nick Saban is brilliant, as you talk about, is because he coaches at Alabama. Because there are built-in yes, advantages 100%. at that program, 100%. including the momentum that you're talking about, that makes winning there easy. Why, why do college coaches fail at the pro level? Because they don't always have the best team like they right. do in college. Right. Like, we can't wait to give Urban Meyer all this credit. Urban Meyer has the best team in every game that he coaches. And that was true at Utah, too. When he was at Utah for two years, they had the best team in the Mountain West Conference those two years, by far. By far. And so he goes to the pros and he fails and we're surprised. Right. It's like, wait a minute, I don't automatically have the best team every game? What? But look, if, if, if it was fair, like you're saying about, and you're talking about, Urban Meyer would stay to Utah and thought, well, I can win at Utah just as easily as I can win at Florida. But he can't. Right. You can't win at Utah Correct. as easily as you can win in Florida. Right. And you can't win at Florida as easily as you can at Ohio why, State. Why didn't he take the Notre Dame job any number of times it was available and he right. could have taken it? It's hard. Because it's way easier to win at Ohio State right. than it is Notre Dame. Correct. Yeah. So he's smart about that. And look, you know what? If you were to trade the talent right now, if you were to put Nick Saban on Cincinnati and Luke Fickle on Alabama, I'm still going to take Alabama with Luke Fickle. Now, do I think Nick Saban's probably a better coach than Luke Fickle is? Probably. But the talent gap is so enormously different between Cincinnati right. and Alabama. It's not comparable. It's not close. And good for Cincinnati for getting there. It's not a knock on Cincinnati. It's not a knock on Utah in 2008 beating Alabama. It's not a knock on Boise State beating Oklahoma. It's not a knock on any of these smaller schools that beat bigger schools at all. I'm just talking about what's easier. And what's easy to do is to bet on Alabama beating Cincinnati. It's, it's why... Um the any number of uh, of uh, coaches at USC who have tried and failed recently should never have gotten an oppor- another opportunity <laughs> because you you have to have fifty percent of a brain to win. It's why it's crazy that Luke Walton caught, kept getting opportunities and everyone was smart to recognize that Mark Jackson doesn't deserve another job. Oh, great point. Yeah, great comparison. No Absolutely. one's hiring Mark Jackson. Yeah. Why? Because he had Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and couldn't put one foot in front of the other. And Steve Kerr got there and they won 70 games. <laughs> oh, man. That team, I rolled out yeah. of bed with a championship. Mark Jackson was like, can't figure it out. Can't, can't, I, mean, need, I don't know how to put the pieces. Need better there. players. Not enough talent. Not enough talent. Yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 really a great point. I mean, where is Clay Hilton now? He's in like Eastern Alabama. Southern Georgia. Or Georgia Southern. No, he's Alabama Birmingham, right? He's uh, UAB. Is that where he ended up? Yeah, taking? yeah. Because uh, no, was, he took no. He did Georgia. Well, oh, Georgia Southern. Or Georgia something. Southern. Yeah, I think no, you're, was, right. Yeah. you're right. You're right. Anyway, regardless, but yes, he should never get another job. 
That's, because you, you you should accidentally win at USC. B. Carroll kind of accidentally won at USC. But okay. see, he has more that. than 50% of a brain. Yeah. Because you should be able to recruit anybody that you want. You should be Alabama. Anyway. How did we get there, Ben? Oh, yeah, you were dragging some Twitter guy. Scotty Much. And you know what? He hasn't responded to me on Twitter. He ran away, which is fine. He gets to do that. Well, if somebody retweeted an old tweet of yours, Ben, and said, hey, I'm going to blast this guy on the radio on Monday, are you tuning in? I don't think I am. Probably responding. I mean, it's the most Twitter interaction he's ever had. That I retweeted so him and then people yeah. get back to him. You'd think he would go back to it. But yeah, maybe he got a little worried about it. He'll come back in a couple of weeks well, when everything has died down. Cincinnati did lose by 20, Ben. wonder who saw that coming. <laughs> well, you did. Oh. So did everybody right. else, actually. He was I the honestly, one. the insulting part was he said, do you watch the games? First of all, yes. It is my job. Like, I actually do do my job. I understand that I've been labeled as the basketball guy. I get that. I know more about basketball than I do football. I don't have any problem admitting that. I know more about the Jazz. Guess what? I watch 80 games a year, and then I go and talk to the coaches and the players after. Like, naturally, I'm going to know more than I know about Nick Saban. I've never talked to Nick Saban. I haven't interviewed the players at Alabama this year or Cincinnati for that fact. I actually didn't watch all 12 Cincinnati games. I missed the SMU-Cincinnati game in week nine. I missed it. I didn't watch that one, and I don't know how I didn't find time for that game. I'm glad that Scotty Munch did, and I still knew that Alabama was going to beat him by three scores because everyone on earth did. Maybe you should weigh in on the, uh, the best commercial of the day. State Farm had a strong yeah, day. Yeah, right. He watched all the commercials. He did watch all the commercials. I, you know what? I'll take his opinions on what he thought was the best That's college football saying. ad this year. Because he watched way more of them than I did. Because I Flipping figured around. out sitting through commercials of games that you don't have to watch live was a it was really a waste of time. I've known that for a while. But you know what? We're still doing our jobs. Do I'm I need to watch? Job. Do I need to watch Cincinnati and Temple live? Not really. You never do. <laughs> You'll never have to. <laughs> Do you even watch the games? I've watched six Cincinnati games, which is a funny number. Hey, he remembers. I once went to a pool hall. I went to the, remember, uh, the student union building up at the U. Okay. I was a young kid. I used to like, go up there because my brother was doing a camp or something, so I'd just go and hang out. And I heard a guy rank the best pool players he'd ever seen play live. And it wasn't like pros. It was just a kid who like had remembered good pool players. I'm like, what an abstract thing to remember. This is Scotty Munch remembering that he's watched six Cincinnati games this year. I watched six Cincinnati games. Not five. And Not seven. Police car Alabama games. I don't know what that means. All the way through, including commercials, Cincinnati will win this game. Equal talent, wrong. Similar size, wrong. More disciplined, wrong. That's a lot of things to get wrong. To spend that much time watching projected the team. outcome, wrong. wrong. <laughs> Three scores. It's That's a right. lot. It's a lot to lose. By. I'm wrong a lot. It's fine. We are all wrong. I'm not calling you out for not doing your job. True, true. Hmm. Yeah, and you're right. You know, betting on the favorite is often uh, a good way to go. I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe <laughs> I look smart on, betting on Alabama over Cincinnati. Betting on the favorite is usually a pretty good way to go. I mean, frankly, our guy Scotty is the one who had the courage to have a bold opinion, no, not you. No, right, exactly. <laughs> no, that's the thing. But then he told me I was stupid for not doing my job. I know. You see, that's the thing. You can make a point uh, in a discussion without a personal insult, and it usually goes a lot better. So I'll return the favor. But that happens, you know, in everyday discourse. You know, Ben, when I disagree with you, I don't usually lead with a personal insult. Although, I oh, have and people, I've exchanged a barb. I, I've, I have seen people employ that tactic. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I'm not going to win this argument, so you know what? I'm going at you personally. 
Don't know your character, your looks. You and I are both pretty fluid. I don't think I can't imagine a lot of what you could tell me that would really hurt my feelings. Hey, Smelly, your your Alabama dick is way off. I mean, I told you you looked like you know Joe Pesci. Oh man, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to let that go. That that was really fire. like mean, and it was publicly mean. And bullying's not okay, man. It's not. I'm going to run you like I did Scotty Munch. So the top three stories at kslsports.com is coming up next. Wait a Put a pleasant cap on that segment. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, top three stories, kslsports.com. We'll mix in a little NFL, mix in a little jazz. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your jazz update here on Jake and Ben on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Here's Donovan Mitchell talking about what the jazz can take from the Warriors' loss into this current road trip. We can take a lot of things from this. Closing, execution, turnovers, defensive lapses. Those are the things we can take away from a game like this. Luckily, it's early. We just got to come back ready. We got a tough road trip coming up and a tough January coming up. So, you know, this is, I don't want to say it's good that it happened, but this was, I wouldn't say even a wake-up call. Not to say we were like, you know, feeling any type of way, but it's one of those things to just keep things in perspective and look at the film and just like, okay, how can we adjust? How can we fix things? And coming up on this road trip, be ready to execute it. This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben... Anderson, it's time for top three stories at kslsports.com. Let's get right to it. Megan? Number one. Tonight, the Jazz have a road game where they face the New Orleans Pelicans at 6 p.m. Five-game road trip starts tonight for the Jazz. And they've won eight straight on the road, Jake. Jazz have actually been really, really good away They're from Salt Lake Way City. better on the road than yep. they are at home. Yep. Which is kind of weird. Who was it? I think... I think it was Rudy last week who said had a theory maybe they're not as distracted on the road. Huh. Maybe distraction at home. You never know what's going on um, in guys' personal lives, right? So maybe maybe they're more focused because I do think focus is a thing with this per, this jazz team. When they are focused, they're really good. When they're not focused, not so much. Yep. No, I think that's true. So, I, I think you probably – things are pretty easy for the jazz right now. Like, it's pretty easy for them to win games. And again, that's not to say they're not playing hard. We've talked a lot about that term. It's pretty easy for the Jazz to win games. They're so talented offensively. They have so much chemistry. They probably don't have to be at their sharpest every night to win games. But when you're on the road, you might just be a little bit sharper because you say, hey, there's a little bit more of a challenge. You're playing on the road. That's a little more difficult. The opposing fan base is going to make things a little harder. Let's sharpen up a little bit. And because that little extra sharpness, they just play significantly better. I could buy into that. Yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. So they've got at New Orleans tonight at 6, pregame at 5, then at Denver on Wednesday, then a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, at Toronto, at Indiana, uh, and then uh, the following Monday at Detroit. So let's let's take this five-game road trip, Ben. What's successful? What's not successful? Four and one or better is successful. Okay. Three and two, I think you're a little disappointed because you're way better than New Orleans. 
You're much better than Denver. I know Denver's tough and Jokic is tough and he's going to take it seriously, but they're not healthy. Their bench is maybe the worst in the NBA. Toronto's okay, but not great. Indiana's tough. They already beat the Jazz once. But you know what? Because they already beat the Jazz once, you should not get swept by the Indiana Pacers this year. And they are they were weirdly playing well when they beat the Jazz. Like they actually had a good week that week, and they really haven't played well since. And then Detroit's awful and trying to lose games. Well, Indiana's the second night of a back to back, though. I make that so sure. Yeah, I'm giving you a little room for a, a, a loss somewhere I, here. A and loss there. is acceptable. I think you're right. One loss, you know, given circumstance, or maybe the Jazz have a bad but night. Indiana's or whatever. nine games under 500. Yeah, like they, that's not a good basketball no. team. And and Detroit honestly has no business winning another game for the rest of the year. Now. If the Jazz finally have the Omicron variant catch up to them, which is extremely possible, like a coach has had it, several uh, the people like around the team have had it, writers have had it, like it's it's around, it's around the team. If it finally catches up to the team, throw out my four and one is acceptable. You know, you can go three and two or two and three if all of a sudden Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley can't play in a game because they had a close exposure. But if it stays as is, healthy as they are. I think four and one is a good road trip, and five and zero oh would not be crazy. Okay, I, I I think you're right on the money. Yeah, three and two w- would feel like a letdown. Yeah, two and three would be something's wrong. Very surprising, very surprising. And and you know I, I wouldn't hit the panic button if they if they go two and three in this stretch, but you know it, it would be disappointing. It would kind of hint that maybe things are not as easy. They're as They're not going to go two and three, not against these teams. I would I don't be even, very surprised if they uh, go two and three. Yeah, I don't even think that's a possibility. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is available tonight. He was in the health and safety protocols as recently as yesterday. Here's the what I'll be curious about. Yesterday, New Orleans tweeted out Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas were questionable for the game today, and then they said Jonas Valanciunas is available. They didn't say anything about Brandon Ingram, which would lead me to believe that there's probably no Brandon Ingram tonight. It probably doesn't matter. Brandon Ingram's really good, but New Orleans is a disaster. Disastrous. Hey, what do you think of Zion Williamson? I was driving into work today, and I was wondering, what is going on with that guy? I mean, we know he's hurt. We know he broke his foot in the offseason, kind of didn't tell anyone, apparently, or it wasn't talked about within the organization until media day that he was going to miss a decent chunk of the season. Well, what's your faith that he comes back? At like, all? over, under, on... Let's this talk year? about his career. Let's talk about his career. Because coming out of college, coming out of Duke, he was the most highly anticipated prospect since LeBron. Correct. Like, we got yeah, to that yeah. point with him. For good reason. For good reason. He was incredibly talented. And still, I mean, as in, as a rookie, Zion Williamson, oh, I lost his uh, page really quickly. He was like 27 points a game as a rookie. Just absurd. His one game as in 85 games for his career. 25 points, 7 rebounds. Shoots 60% from the floor. Just absurdly good numbers. Incredible numbers. As a 20-year-old, he averaged 27 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and went to an All-Star game. Over-under, how many more All-Star games does he make for his career? What's the over-under? If I set it at 2.5, what would you take? Okay, so I don't have enough information to make that bet. And let me tell you why. Is Zion Williamson disciplined? Correct. Oh, that this is why because we're betting if on this. Because if he's not disciplined, then the answer is under. But if he, if he, and I don't know. Right. That's just, why I'm asking you to make if, this gamble. If, I think if he's disciplined, then the uh, he has the potential to blow that away because he's unstoppable. Because yes. the NBA has always been about physical uniqueness. If you're physically unique. Yes. Then you're going to dominate the NBA. He's physically unique. There's nobody like him. He's unstoppable. But 
He also is going to be managing his weight for his entire career. Exactly. And if he doesn't manage it well, he's going to be hurt his whole career. That's why I'm asking. If he manages it well, then he has more potential Here's, than anybody out there. Okay, so, so your problem is the problem New Orleans has. I don't think they know either. Right. I don't think they know if he wants to try hard. I don't think they know if he, want, if he wants to take care of himself. Or if his body can handle the physicality with which he plays with. Well, Human bodies aren't six foot eight. Six foot seven, two hundred ninety pounds, and have a forty-five inch vertical. It's just not. It it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. But he can't be two hundred ninety-five pounds. Correct. He has to be two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Playing weight is two eighty-five. He can't. It it, it won't. It won't last. It's not possible. So he has to manage his weight again. It feels like we bring up Gunther like twenty times a day. But there's a guy who had the discipline to manage his weight to be a high-level athlete. Right. He had to manage it in a different way than Zion did, but it was challenging and required discipline nonetheless. He has to have the discipline to manage his weight, and if he doesn't, he's not. He's not going to make it. So, so I love your over under Ben, but maybe the over under should be one. Yeah. Oh, it might be. I, I you know, maybe the I, I was going to set it at one, one and a half. I was going to set it at one and a half, and then I said I'll I'll give him a little more leeway to because go because he's either not going to another one or he's going to go to ten. Right. And it's it, it's all about whether he's disciplined enough to do what it takes to play. I would take under on the two and a half, and it's sad to say. But you look at the beginning, the trajectory of his career, the question marks. It doesn't sound like he wants to be in New Orleans. It's just a mess. Maybe they trade him, they and he goes, and wherever he ends up, he wants to play really hard and take care of himself. He doesn't want to do it. They, in New they're scared of being the team that traded, you know, <laughs> Anthony Davis and Zion back to back. Correct. They're they're scared of that, and they should they should not be. They should move on, unless they they have a look behind the scenes and and actually see him as a really disciplined guy that's yeah. just had bad luck. And if that's the case, then maybe you stick it out. But if if he's having trouble, we, we hear the rumors, Ben. I don't want to report anything right. as fact, but we hear the rumors that he is well north of 300 pounds. Yeah. And that part of the reason he's delayed in coming back is because he's got a long way to go, not to just overcome the injury, but also put himself in any sort of shape where he can play basketball. And that's not good. And not hurt himself worse. Not good at all. All right. Number two. Packers route Vikings 37-10 to take NFC's number one seed. Wait, why are you reading with, that, with such vigor, Megan? Are you a Packers fan? Maybe a little bit. How did that end up as our number two story? This seems like a little home cooking from, <laughs> from Megan here. Aaron Rodgers is angry. They're good when Aaron Rodgers oh, is angry. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I, I think they're going to I think the Super they're Bowl. Gonna, yeah, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing at an all-time unique level. Yes, he's angry. Yes, people don't like him. Yes, that makes him even better. I was watching Jeopardy last night because that's how I calm down sometimes watching Jeopardy. It was really funny. Remember a couple of months ago, he was like a Jeopardy host and was beloved by everybody. Even though he was terrible. I did one radio interview and everyone hates him now. He was awful. But then he's going to go back and win a Super Bowl and he's going to have one of the most, you know. Well, and he's going to give the franchise the middle finger on his way out the door. Yeah, and then he's going to go play for Denver or whoever he wants to go play for, which is just a hilarious, hilarious uh pathway that he's had in 2021 now leading into 2022 but yes they end up locking up the number one seed which means there's a bye jake i have to admit i went back and looked at the playoff rules in the nfl this morning because i was looking at the standings after yesterday because it was the penultimate week there's one more week left of uh, nfl football and a couple of games are still left to be decided on final standings uh, and i was like oh yeah there's seven teams that make the playoffs now because you've gotten rid of the second bye only one team gets the bye, so that is a big deal for the Packers. And then they have home field advantage, which means what? Everyone has to go play in Lambeau and freeze to in death. In January. And it looks, it already looks awful, and it looks even worse now. Oh, did you see how cold that game looked yesterday? <laughs> it's 
so cold. Man, they, like the, bill, the, the Falcons had to go and play the Bills, which is hilarious. Like Atlanta shuts down if there's a quarter inch of snow, and they had to go play in Buffalo <laughs> in that horrible weather. I'll tell you what. People who live in that part of the country have got to be like hardy, like tough people. Hardy. I complained – Ben, I complained up and down to Tim Lacombe on Friday for probably 10 minutes yep. about having to walk multiple times from the parking garage across the yeah. street to the media entrance on the other side of the building. Like you would have thought that, you know, I froze to death. And really what happened was I was inconvenienced multiple times for like dozens of seconds. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Let alone sitting outside in Wisconsin. Oh, I'm with you. Saturday for was hours? bizarrely cold. Saturday hours. was insanely cold. But yes, what these people do in Buffalo and 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 certainly in uh, in in uh, Milwaukee, it's it's incredible. Going and playing in Green Bay is insane. I uh, my brother in law lives in uh, in uh, uh, um, Minnesota. Yep. in the Twin Cities yep. now, and uh, he says he doesn't mind the cold all that much, except for that it takes forever to get warm. You know, here in Utah, yeah. where it starts to warm a little bit in March and things start feeling nice, it's like middle of May before they get the relief. Florida has the opposite problem. You take a shower in Florida and you're wet all day long. It's so muggy, you just can't dry off, which I'm sure that just creates like a miserableness. If you ever met anyone from Florida, they're miserable people. Uh, here's the playoff picture right now in the AFC. Titans have clinched. A, Chiefs have that's clinched. That's a broad brush. Have you been to Florida? <laughs> I, I feel, I've never felt safer painting with a broad brush. Then Florida people are weirdies. Uh, Titans, Chiefs, Bengals. Good for the Bengals. Joe Burrow's a superstar. Uh, Bills, Patriots have all clinched. Still in the hunt. The Colts and the Chargers. Raiders actually technically still there. Ravens have basically no chance. Tough loss for Tyler Huntley. Uh, same with the Steelers. Packers have clinched. We just talked about that. Rams have clinched. Bucks have clinched. Uh, good win against the Jets. Jets actually played pretty well. Good for Zach Wilson. Cowboys have clinched, even though they lost to the Cardinals. Cardinals have also clinched. And then the Eagles also have somehow clinched a playoff berth. It, yeah, it's, divisions are funny, aren't they? Uh, I'm glad Still you mentioned the, hunt the, of the 49ers uh, and the Saints. I'm glad you mentioned the Bungles uh, real quick here because, hey, we love the Sewell family yep. here in this community. Yep. They are part of our community. We yep. all root for Penn Sewell, I think. Uh, but uh, picking Jamar Chase was a good move. And everyone, but, uh, including me, thought it was idiotic. I did too. Give, yep. Let Joe Burrow stand up. And they're like, no, just let him give, give the ball to Jamar Chase. And you know what? They looked like CJ Stroud and uh, Jackson yeah. the Jigba. He's amazing. And they were just unstoppable. They beat the Chiefs yesterday in a game the Chiefs were trying Good. to win uh, and are going to, the, going to the playoffs. All right, one more. Number three. Antonio Brown walks away from the Bucks. Tom Brady rallies team past the Jets. I'm sorry I spoiled the Brady rally. Uh, no, that's all right, because the story really is Antonio Brown just heaving off the shoulder pads and walking out, throwing his gloves to everybody. And uh, it, yeah, basically, Bruce Arians after the game said he's no longer he's a, buck. a buck. Uh, but Tom Brady's words, and, and I'll tell you what, Tom Brady has, has gotten some wisdom over the years where he basically just said, hope he's going to be okay. Yeah. Is is probably the best way to go no, here. I know no. a lot of everybody was dragging Antonio Brown yesterday, but man, I did, I don't know how healthy he is mentally. Correct. And look, Brady shared a locker room with a serial killer, so he he's been with some some people who've lived in some very difficult lives. Has Tom Brady? So I'm sure he looks at Antonio Brown and is like, "Well, do you remember the other guy? Yeah. Do you remember that one guy that we were that we were well, playing? You're with? never going to be my you're, worst teammate. Correct. Don't." We don't need to look at my past, but you're not the last guy. So, yes, Antonio Brown walks off the field. He ended up saying it was an ankle injury. He's kind of like trying to explain it away. He's just not healthy. 
in whatever way. He's just not in a place emotionally where he can compete with an NFL team for 16, 17 straight weeks. Now, what did you think about what uh, Ian Rappaport uh, reported where the the Korea, uh, the part of the conflict, and you talk about him not being healthy, that uh, that uh, Arians told him to play and he didn't feel that he could. Yeah. And that's what sparked this whole thing. Maybe. Uh, it seems Because if, if you're hurt and a coach asks you to play, yes. Right. It's wrong. Coach can't do that. I... You look at the history of these two people, Antonio Brown and the issues he's had on and off the field, and Bruce Arians, who's pretty universally beloved by people, I'm going to err on the side of Bruce Arians in this conversation. Probably. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> and look, maybe he's not hurt. I mean, he was doing jumping jacks in the end zone when he was walking off the field. Now, I know there's a difference between being able to do jumping jacks with some adrenaline versus playing in an NFL game. I get that that's two different levels of health that you need to have. But Antonio, it's like if Kyrie Irving blows up in Brooklyn, I'm not going to blame Steve Nash. I know whose fault it was. It's going to be Kyrie's problem. Antonio Brown's off-field issues are, are numerous, weird and, yes. and scary. But the, the, the funniest one, I think, is have you followed that he likes stiffing vendors or trying to pay in trade? For, for like random stuff like catering. Yes. Like, hey, instead of giving you cash, I'll give you a mention on my Instagram. And then like doesn't even do that. Doesn't do that. And, and then just refuses to pay. It's like you're an NFL player. There's people like taking him to collections over a couple hundred bucks because he's like, hey, hey, I'll tell my neighbor about you. He can hook me up for free, right? Can I sign some footballs for you. <laughs> just loves paying and loves paying and trade. Hates using money. You should do that, Ben. You should be like, hey, hey. Uh, uh, I'll steal some stuff from the from the building for you. Hey, Little Caesars guy. Uh, I could give you money but for this. Or I could sign this glossy. I found these headphones that I think once belonged to David James. Oh, hey. <laughs> You've seen him on TV. That's worth a hot and ready, huh? Stay tuned. More Jacob Ben next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone? Let me ask you a question, Jake. Okay. Quinton Ganther, right guy for the Utah running back job now that uh, Kyle McDonald's leaving the program? I would say yes, although I've got to admit I'm a little personally biased because I do like Quinton and just him. There's some nostalgia for me because he was the running back at Utah during like my formative years of the business, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Um but I, I mean, I love what he did at Weber State. Uh, I think Coach Hill knows how to identify good coaches, and um, he coached there. He's in the NFL now. I, I think he could really. So let me say yes, I do, because um, I think he could really sell the message of playing at the University of Utah. I think he could go out and recruit because he's experienced it. And like um, Sharif Shah has been an incredible recruiter for the University of Utah because he can share his personal experience on what the the university has done for his life. And that genuine message is very attractive to people for good reason, right? And I think he probably has some of that. I think it can be a real mistake to only go with the alumni hire because it's the alumni hire 
and say like, well, he knows the program. We're familiar with I him. I agree with that. Because I think you need people who challenge the status quo. I think you need people who have different ideas, who have recruited different ways, who have won different ways. I think that's generally pretty beneficial. And I think Kyle McDonald is proof of that. That there was kind of an outside-the-box sure. hire and has sure. come in and done extremely well. But not only does Quinton Ganther have the advantages of having played at Utah and not understanding what it takes to win there. He's from California. No, he's from Oakland. He's not from Southern California necessarily, but he's from a recruiting hotbed in Utah. He did the path of going from California to Utah and having success. He played in the NFL, which wh- whatever you want to think, it may not matter to most people. It matters to high school kids who are getting recruited. It does. You played in the league. I want to get to the league. How do I get there? Tell me the stories of playing at Tennessee with whoever you played with, playing at Washington with whoever you played with. Talk to me about the stars you played with because that gives you some authenticity. That gives you some authority, and I want that. You played 36 games in the NFL. Tell me about that. Then you coached in the NFL. Tell me about coaching in the NFL. He's coached at small schools and been successful, meaning he's faced adversity and he's earned his standing. He's coached with Urban Meyer. He's coached with the guys you need to to be successful. I, I think... All the boxes he's checked. Even the fact that he's been coaching in Florida is good for Utah because they need to go recruit Florida. And he's going to have some name value down there because he was a coach in the NFL in Florida. All of those little things that I think matter are as good as the fact that he played at Utah. And I think that can be why he should he should take the Utah job if it's offered and the Ute should offer it to him first and foremost. So I agree with you about the alumni thing. I really do. That it's, you know, it seems like an easy thing to point to and it's not only the right thing. I, I agree with your take on Ganther. But one thing, and maybe I should have led with this as opposed to you can sell the message. He's got a great resume. He does. It's not like you're pulling Ty Denver exactly. off the oh, exactly. couch. Exactly. Like, he's got a great resume. And I like the fact that he coached in the big sky at Jay Hill. Yeah. That's where you learn how to grind and do the job. Correct. That, that's what I mean. That's the adversity that's where he's you, faced in right. coaching. He's that's, earned his stripes. That's where you, you learn what recruiting, for example, really is. When you're going out and you're, you're getting good players to come to Weber State, that's a lot more difficult than going out and getting good players to come to Alabama. You know, you have to, and you have to, let me, well, we, let me put it this way. Weber State and paying their coaches a ton. And so he had to grind, he had to want to be there. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Yep. You know, it's easy, and I'm, I'm picking on Ty Detmer, and I'm, I'm sorry, but it's easy for Ty to get off the couch for half a million bucks. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, it's more difficult to go to Weber State and coach and do that grind for and 60, do 000, all that for yes, $75,000 a year. Whatever they're paying over yeah. there, which I don't think is six figures. Well, correct. You have Not to, as a first-year running backs coach. You have to have your heart in it to do that. Yes. And that's always a good sign. Correct. And plus, I like to see those kind of guys, those, those guys rewarded, frankly. But, you know, Kalani Sitake started uh, down at uh, SUU, right? Yes. Gary Anderson was down oh, at SUU. Oh, that's why you're Jan Jorgensen is a defensive coordinator yes. at the D1 level in yes. no time. And because, it's going to be well-deserved. Because you've got to want to do the job yeah. to to have success at those places. Don't hire some bimbo like Hans Olsen because he played in the NFL just because he's out there. Wait, did you just call Hans a bimbo? I can call him a mimbo, right? A, a mimbo? man bimbo? A male bimbo? A mimbo? Don't just hire Hans because he's got name value. You know Hans is coming in studio, right? I saw Scotty. I didn't see Hans, so oh, I figured no. I was pretty safe. Right. Maybe he's not back yet. Hi, Scotty. So there are... They, there, don't just hire a name because it's a name. Quinton Gather is a name. But even better, you pull the name back and he's put in the work. Right. His work since being at Utah is better than what he did at Utah. 
Oh, I'd agree with that. And he was really good at Utah. Which is why I think you can hire him for that yeah. job when I think the, the Twitter discourse has been, hey, don't just hire a guy because he played here. And that's true. Don't just hire a guy because he, he lived here and played here. Right. But everything he's done since then has no, don't, put him in a really good spot to be the next guy. You know, don't pull Marty Johnson off the couch. But Quinton yeah. Ganther has a great resume. Jamal Anderson? Is, loved Dirty Bird. Right. Don't hire him. No. He hasn't earned it. That's probably the best example. Yeah. Right there. Steve Smith? Well, Steve Smith might be a little different. That guy's a bulldog. You probably trust that he's going to put in the work. If he wants to come be your wide receivers coach, let Steve-On Smith come on and be your guy. But, yes, don't just hire a name because the name is I hope I hope that never happens because Steve-On Smith on TV – or, excuse me, Steve-On Smith Sr. on television is Senior. gold. My apologies. He's amazing on TV. Yeah. He does not care one iota what other people think he's going to speak his mind. Yeah. I like Steve-On TV. All right, Hanson, Scotty G, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.